Hi, it's Nahani Rouse. Welcome back to Can We Talk, the podcast of the Jewish Women's Archive, where gender, history, and Jewish culture meet. Since February, Russia's brutal invasion has brought the plight of Ukraine to the world's attention. Many of us have heard about the courageous leadership of Ukraine's Jewish president, Volodymyr Zelensky. Lesser known are the experiences of Jewish women and families in Ukraine. There are several hundred thousand Jews in Ukraine. Tens of thousands have been among the millions of Ukrainians displaced by the Russian invasion. Vlada Nyedak is the executive director of Project Kesher Ukraine. Kesher means connection in Hebrew. Project Kesher is a network of Jewish women building Jewish community and women's leadership in Ukraine, Russia, Belarus, and Israel. Since the war began, Vlada has been working to support women and infants, internally displaced refugees, and those trying to leave Ukraine, all while taking care of her own family. The women made terrible, difficult choices, and uh, every personal story of women, uh, they really uh, need a personal Oscar for their decision, for their strengths. Uh, we are really thankful for the military, but from another side, we should mention how much women take on their shoulders. Vlada lives in Kirivi Rih in central Ukraine. Early in the war, missiles hit the suburbs of the city, and a nearby nuclear power station was bombed. Vlada's family fled to the western part of Ukraine. Three weeks later, they decided to come back. They feel it's safe enough for now, even though it's only an hour's drive from Russian-controlled territory and the front lines of the war. I spoke with Vlada recently. She told me it's important for her work that she stay in Ukraine. On a personal level, she's also grateful that her nine-year-old daughter can sleep in her own bed again. She has online school and still plays with her friends. Now we know how meaningful it for the kids just to have all of this. It's um, absolutely another attitude uh, from the moment of uh, the beginning of the war. Later in the interview, Vlada and I talk about how the war has affected the women in Project Kesher's network and about violence against women more generally. But first, we'll talk about her own experience. Vlada lives with her husband, daughter, a dog, two guinea pigs, and three birds. Her 18-year-old son is studying in Kyiv. You'll occasionally hear one of the birds in the background, a seemingly incongruous soundtrack of normal life. Vlada begins by describing the first day of the Russian invasion. On February 24th, I woke up about like five o'clock in the morning uh, and just trying to get to, to sleep once again. And I get messages from my son, uh, who is the second year student in Kyiv State uh, University. And he texts me that, Mom, uh, the war started, um, Ukraine is bombed, Kyiv is bombing. And I woke up my husband and say, the war started. Uh, physically, I was absolutely stressed. I have tremble in my hands and I can't organize myself what to do, what to gather, how to wake up the daughter, what should we say. Uh, and it was really emotionally several hours of really panic. I tried to breathe and to calm and I just can't believe that 
my life um, in my 40s full of so great I don't know achievements plans uh, of well-being uh, really huge plans for the future and now it's absolutely will be destroyed at that day we decided to um, to move to our close friend's house it's two-floor building with a great uh, basement uh, they have three kids and there are uh, there with several families and we felt that it's much better to be uh, all together and we spent several days there and didn't leave this building in three or four days we went to check our uh, apartment and to feed our birds here and to take some stuff my first decision was not to leave uh, Ukraine at all and my city because first uh, I have special connection with my son and for me it was idea that when I stay here he still have home he have the place where he will back and uh, me as connection to him me as the place uh, where uh, his mother will meet mm. him and um, it was one and the second uh, I can tell that uh, my deep uh, love with my husband and uh, we I mean we support each other we inspire each other and for me it was really uh, difficult to uh, to leave him but in a week maybe less uh, I know exactly that it was uh, the moment when they bumped um, Zaporozhye um, nuclear uh, station we were really afraid and frightened and uh, the panic was so uh, deep and we decided to move uh, the next day we just took our stuff uh, packed the car and decided uh, the man decided uh, to follow with uh, the woman and the children to the border and help them to cross the border uh, we traveled like three maybe days and it was one of the moment uh, when thousands thousands of cars uh, moved to west of ukraine and it was like i mean people moved so slow and uh, when we get uh, to the uh, hungarian border i turn to my husband and say you know it's not really what i want um, and i didn't cross uh, the border we stayed for two weeks and a half uh, in western part of Ukraine. And you decided not to go to Hungary because you would have had to go without your husband since he wasn't allowed to leave in case he was called to serve in the military. Is that right? Yeah, uh, he, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I understood that uh, I, I just can't uh, uh, to, uh, leave him. What about your son? My son stayed in Kiev. He was so uh, strong in his decision and maybe the first several days i was really had uh, <laughs> uh, like idea even to come to kiev to take him but he's 18 years old i remember my grandfather who was 17 when he joined the army and i decided that uh, we just should take the decision of our adult they are not kids at all they are young men who stay here who make their choice and i need to support him in his choice and how come you decided to come back home uh <clears throat> it was not an easy decision it was a lot of discussions but 
I mean, uh, the circumstances, uh, seeing how many people stay here, that the system works, uh, the factories continue to work, uh, hospitals, state departments, um, the shops uh, beginning to open. We see that people uh, coming back. Um, it's really important for people, for Project Asher Network, I mean, for a Jewish community, for a women's community here, uh, when people hear that I stay in Ukraine, I stay in my city, they feel much better. Maybe for somebody's decision, it's additional reason to say, okay, she's here and I'm here and it's fine. And we all here. I'm not alone in Ukraine. I'm not alone who stay in my city. Emotionally, it's really important for people uh, to understand that uh, the person who, who lead in the organization uh, continue to operate from her city and uh, Project Asher Ukraine office and they were happy to have um, to have me back um, emotionally to support them that I didn't uh, left them. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can tell me about Project Kesher, the network, and um, how big it is, what you do. Um, you know, tell me, to just introduce our audience to Project Kesher. Uh, Project Kesher, uh, it's a women's organization with uh, 30 years history, uh, created in uh, at the moment when the Soviet Union was broken, and uh, the understanding that not all Jews uh, made Aliyah to Israel or United States, the Jewish population still uh, exists and uh, continue to stay in the country of former Soviet Union. Uh, two women uh, with Jewish background, uh, one from United States, one from Russia, met each other uh, in Moscow region and uh, designed uh, the Jewish um, women's leadership organization. <clears throat> I joined Project Asher in uh, 1998 when I was years, 18 years old student. And for me, uh, it was very interesting to join uh, something feminist uh, uh, with a Jewish um, education programming. And from that moment, I grew up uh, in uh, the organization. And from uh, 2020, I take uh, the position of executive director. And what has Project Kesher been doing since the war started? We continue our mission even in the war, um, during the war. We help uh, Jewish uh, people. It doesn't matter where they stay or if they take decision to evacuate, uh, to help them, uh, them with this from one side. Uh, and we continue... Um, Jewish online programming. We had Purim, we have Pesach. We try to support and to have this feeling of Jewish um, life, uh, um, history, Jewish uh, traditions to continue. Uh, and I feel very proud of this. Uh, from another side, Project Kesher is well-known organization in women's uh, movement of Ukraine. For this moment, we supported uh, almost 250 women with their families. Uh, in difficult situations, we had uh, cases when um, kids uh, lost their parents and we have uh, requests from uh, grandparents. Uh, we work hard to help women stay safe 
crossing the border, I mean uh, prevention uh, trafficking in women and kids, and we cooperate with uh, different women's organizations in Europe. We help to be one more resource for women of good information, and we cooperate and share state hotlines, European hotlines, uh, I mean, we work uh, all together uh, with women's community uh, uh, here in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So that's something that you, that Project Kesher is involved in the broader community, not just Jewish community. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yes, uh, we had some series of um, webinars how uh, to help women uh, during the war. Uh, we uh, have great uh, speakers, how to speak with kids about the war, how to find the job or to change your resume, how to stay in Europe. Uh, we did, um, I mean, mental health uh, component, uh, which is great. And now we are jumping in a big initiative to help uh, to protect women of uh, sexual harassment of rape uh, because uh, we uh, all the, uh, the world uh, heard about uh, Kiev region about Bucha uh, uh, Irpin and a lot of cases and it's unusual and people try to say no it it doesn't it, it will not take me it, it won't happen to me uh, but we understand that um, every day we live like uh, everything change uh, and can change during the day and we want to protect women and to give them understanding if it happens there is special um, medicine uh, that you should take um, we say that even in ukraine we have no vocabulary to translate uh, rape kit mm. uh, which is uh, um, the initiative from our uh, American partner to bring uh, contraception and this rape kit and shared uh, especially in the region um, because we have no this experience I, I, I in my 40s I heard about this rape kit for the first time I have no idea that it, it exists uh, something like this mm. Vlada um, will you please just um you know, t- talk a little bit about what's been happening there and how rape is being used as a tool of war. Uh, the cases of women rape is really terrible. We know that the people, especially from a village uh, which is close to suburb of Kiev, uh, staying from the first days of the war uh, under Russian army, uh, there was a group of 16, 15 years old uh, teenagers uh, who were raped uh, for several weeks and uh, now this uh, group and some of them are pregnant and uh, mm, I mean mm, I, I can't cover all my emotions because I have nine years old daughter and we have absolutely progressive language and discussions but now I should cover some issues I didn't uh, have idea I will explain so early uh, because uh, yeah we live close to the region where the Russian army uh, uh, occupied the territory and uh, just to protect ourselves it became something that we should share and discuss between uh, the women, between friends, and even between with my husband. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it's more widespread than just this one village. 
Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, it's not the big cities, it's areas where the people, I mean, live maybe with less access to the information than people in, in the cities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Project Kesher works with groups of women in, in Ukraine, in Russia, in Belarus, as well as Israel and, and America. What kinds of connections before the war existed between the Ukrainian and Russian women in Project Kesher? Uh, the idea of Project Kesher, it was the idea uh, to connect women uh, in the region uh, to help each other uh, to rebuild Jewish life and to help um, uh, to help with different initiative uh, from uh, 2014 maybe we um, we understood that uh, Ukraine and Russia have uh, different opportunities in women's issues and uh, Ukraine had direction to Europe and we were more progressive with uh, some democracy process of even with uh, the question of LGBT, uh, with uh, the question of uh, feminism, with women's uh, presence and um, opportunities and the only way uh, connected uh, was Jewish community life and Jewish celebrations, uh, women's Jewish celebrations, uh, and we we save our Jewish traditions and shared, and it was uh, the uh, the way we uh, help each other and communicated to each other. Um, but it was difficult to, to travel to both countries, and we feel the difference in. Um, languages because Ukrainian uh, with the years uh, trying to be more Ukrainian. As Ukraine asserted its own identity, the political and cultural tensions between Ukraine and Russia were also felt in Project Kesher, even before the war started. As Vlada says, focusing on Jewish programming was a way to find common ground. Just before the Russian invasion, Project Kesher celebrated the 100th anniversary of the first bat mitzvah with ceremonies in Odessa, Moscow, Jerusalem, and New York. On a chilly January Shabbat, the Russian and Belarusian women gathered in Moscow. The Ukrainian women gathered in Odessa. And I have my COVID and I couldn't join the ceremony, but I felt in, inside that it's something we achieved and it's so meaningful to us and uh, I really wanted to celebrate because I felt that it will be our last uh, gathering. And it was the last joint gathering. A month after the invasion, Project Kesher Russia was officially removed from the Project Kesher Global Network. The Russian and Ukrainian groups are no longer in touch. The decision was made for legal reasons as well as for the safety of the women involved. Vlada, how do you cope with the situation around you? The violence, the fear, the total disruption of your life and your country's existence? Um, how I deal with it? Um, I draw um, a little, and when I draw, uh, my one of my first pictures was uh, the broken uh, cup, and I say that my life is like it looks like every day my cup is broken. I take all, pic all pieces, I put it all together, 
and I am the cup once again, but I know there where it's difficult and um, <laughs> I try to be useful as the cup. Mm. But um, I say that um, uh, I really feel uh, at some moment very happy and they, at this moment I think can I feel happy? Maybe I'm I'm wrong. Uh, we have the war, but it's it's what helped me and um, helped me to uh, to help another women, another people, to be smiled, to support my family, to support my neighborhood, to come to the post uh, where we we sent a lot of volunteer staff and to meet the guys and to buy coffee for them. And um, I say that it's my mission to know that somewhere uh, in the future, um, the new life, uh, the victory, um, the moment when people will come back and we will rebuild, physically rebuild, emotionally rebuild the country, it will it's something uh, which will be in my life. I mean, not in my daughter's life or in my son's life. Uh, I, I, I'm sure, I, I believe in this, that it will be in my active um, years. Uh, it will be soon. Yeah, I hope so. I never ask my grandfather how they spent uh, four years, five years in a war. I asked a lot of questions about the war and I didn't ask him about the reconstruction, I mean, rebuilding of the city, of the country. I, I, I didn't hear from, maybe, um, I have no in my childhood these questions to ask him. But um, I'm the person who will have these answers uh, for the next generation uh, to share how we lived uh, during the war and how then we rebuilt the country and everybody of this country. I, I will tell to my, I don't know, grandkids uh, or just everybody who want to see and to hear these memories. For a lot of American Jews, our ancestors or grandparents escaped from Ukraine and that part of the world. And I think for some people here, it's hard to understand what Jewish life could be like there now. Could you describe your relationship to Ukraine and to being a Ukrainian Jew? Um, I guess it's the only reason why I stay in Ukraine, to feel so connected to my family uh, roots, um, <laughs> who made their choice not to go to Israel after the war. Uh, my grandparents, my mother, they lived their life here. I, I, I had no experience of some terrible anti-Semitism, maybe some, some kind of, uh, during my school ages, some kind of cases, some anecdotes or jokes. But generally, I always, uh, and from the moment I joined Project Kesher, I openly say that I'm in women's Jewish organization. And my son uh, went to the Jewish school and we have like several generations of young people who uh, had 
full life, I mean, from their birth Jewish cycle. And we have great synagogue somewhere big, some, some in some places small. And, and I've never uh, experienced that somebody suffered uh, from the nationality they had uh, here directly in Ukraine. I love this uh, ground, I love these views, I love these people. For me, it's make uh, sense uh, to stay here, to struggle for this. I can't imagine myself somewhere in Israel or United States, in Europe. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be the person as I am here. We still have plans, we still have dreams, and we live everyday life to bring the victory as soon as we can. I don't want to, to, to sound too much patriotic, but um, I am ready to be here to the end. Vlada Nedak is the executive director of Project Kesher Ukraine. Visit projectkesher.org to learn more about Project Kesher's work and to make a donation. 100% of donations to Project Kesher's Emergency Fund for Ukraine support the needs of Ukrainian women and children, whether they have remained in Ukraine or moved abroad. Thank you for joining us for Can We Talk, the podcast of the Jewish Women's Archive. Our team includes Jen Richler and Judith Rosenbaum. Special thanks to Jenny Sartori. Our theme music is by Girls in Trouble. You also heard Tia Nesta from Blue Dot Sessions. Find Can We Talk online at jwa.org slash canwetalk or wherever you get your podcasts. Please help us spread the word by sharing this and your other favorite episodes with your friends. I'm your host, Nahani Rouse. Until next time. <laughs>